0: Welcome to Expert Talk, a forum where we chat with Arabs across the globe. We interview Arab entrepreneurs, artists, luminaires, and those who are working on exciting endeavors. Join us on this adventure as my co-host Ziad and myself, Natasha, talk to those who inspire us. Welcome everyone uh, to another episode of Expert Talk. Today we have um, Rana Sways with us. Um, She's joining us actually from the US now. Uh, She is the founder and managing director of Wishbox Media. It's a a man-based company that provides media training, research services, and creative storytelling packages. Uh, She's a freelance journalist and a media researcher. Her work has been published in the New York Times, Prospect Magazine, The Huffington Post, uh, and others. And her book, Voices of Jordan, provides a compelling contemporary Jordanian narratives. Uh, welcome, welcome, Rana. And thank you for joining me today to another episode of Expatah. Thanks, thanks, Natasha, for having me. Yes, of course. Uh, so, Rana, we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to discuss. and. Uh, mostly i you know since you're uh, you know a jordanian entrepreneur based in the middle east uh, i know now you're uh, temporarily visiting the us um so i wanted to know more about a life as a female entrepreneur in jordan one especially when it comes to the media section uh, we know it's not easy to be a journalist or to be a provider of media services in jordan for many reasons uh, one of them is uh, censorship, one of them the 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 hardship of uh, starting a business. So if you can tell us a, a lot about what, how has your journey been in creating this um, media service that you created, the, the, the company Wishbox Media?
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Natasha. So uh, I would say in terms of registering as a company in Jordan, it's not that difficult um you know there's a certain fee that you need uh, for registration having an office um you know uh so uh, lawyer fees uh, you know there's a lot to do in terms of paperwork yes but i would say the whole process can can uh, be done in around a week uh but this is uh, In Jordan, you know, you you look at countries like the UK or the US and uh, this process is much faster and also less costly. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did not have uh, a lot of issues registering as a company. Uh, What uh, entrepreneurs face is what happens after. I mean, personally, I don't find that there's an enabling environment uh, that really supports entrepreneurs uh, in terms of easing uh, taxes or, for example, uh, uh, private companies uh, giving sort of discounts on internet connection, for example, or even... Uh, helping women in this field, which make up a very small number in Jordan. Uh, so there are no incentives, if you will. But at the same time, I did not find it difficult to register the company. After you register the company,
0: you're basically on your own. I completely understand. As um, a business owner myself, uh, I understand the, the, the struggle when it comes to um, running your own business. And, um, but I, I'm, I'm curious to hear that there is no incentive for let's say uh, uh, minority owned businesses in Jordan like female led uh, businesses. For example, in the US, if you registered as a female um, led organization or a woman led organization, you know, you get certain in, in, uh, incentives. Um, you, can, you have a certain category to bid in. Is 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 there anything like this in Jordan where you um, encourage uh, female business owners?
1: I do not believe so. Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, that's that's a huge problem, uh, especially in in a country where, on one hand, we're trying to encourage more female in the workforce, but at the on the other hand, you know, there are lots of legal barriers that preventing them from doing so. So. You know, as a journalist, as an author, I wanna also know about in terms of the reception to the content that you've been produ- producing, whether it's um, the, the reception from the larger audience, because I know you produced uh, cartoon, you, pr- you produce movies, you produce podcasts, in addition to your own writing, your book, your articles in the New York Times. What was the overall reception in Jordan Plus did you face any legal constraints in, in terms of any sensitivity to the content, especially we, you know, living in a, in a kind of critical area, region like the middle East.
1: So as a company, we, we are not like advocates or nonprofits or, or in that kind of situation. Um, so as a, you know, at the end, we're we are a corporate company, um, but a lot of our work uh, also revolves around the community in Jordan. So, for example, our podcast uh, that was completely created and designed uh, for uh, by Wishbox for the Conrad uh, Adenauer Foundation uh, was on a topic that is talked about nationwide, which are women who take out microloans and end up either wanted or in prison. Uh, This is, I think there's consensus in terms of the public about how disgraceful this uh, situation for women in debt is in Jordan. We found during our campaign to market this podcast, a lot of positive feedback uh, from Jordanians and the public, uh, which was really, which really motivated us to continue working. Uh, We also did a series of infographics, animated infographics, 10 of them, five in English, five in Arabic, on the impact of the coronavirus on different sectors in Jordan. So health, labor, Education, etc., and we found again uh, a lot of positive feedback because we provided, you know, accurate information, uh, which required a great deal of research. But it was really, uh, if I may say so, top quality kind of information and presentation. I think, and I and I often say this is that there is a thirst and there is a need for content and content creators in the Arab world. Uh, There's a need for content creators and storytellers in Jordan, people who can actually provide quality content as well. People, uh, quality content that people can uh, see that is credible and trustworthiness, which is really lacking uh, in terms of Uh, if we look at news websites or if we look at, you know, uh, social media, uh, also platforms, there's a big credibility problem. And there is also a lack of trust between the government and the people as well uh, in terms of communication. So all that leads me to say is that despite all of this, there is a real hunger for good content and we try our best to provide this, whether it's when we're talking about a workshop, a media workshop, or in terms of podcast creation or uh, gifts, which we also are very passionate about and created as well, working with animators across the world. Because gifts also transcend borders and culture and language. So we think they are a very powerful storytelling. Um, tool uh to send a message as well so we try to look at new ways and creative ways to tell stories
0: Mm -hmm. Um, that's that's fascinating and you know has there been any challenges were so there there was was there any objection to any of the content um because i know in jordan one example is you know if you heard about that new series on Netflix in Jordan in Arabic and you know i've been reading the reviews and people saying this is against our culture uh you know and one of the things you know me being a jordanian and, and lived in, in jordan most of my adult life is that there's always resistance to things being outside of our culture and i was wondering if if when you produce this content you know on one end you want to push for new things new trend new innovation but at the other and you're also being bogged down by the uh, kind of the conservative mentality that uh, sometimes might want to slow you down in the name of preserving our culture and traditions. Have you ever faced this when, so when you I, are producing so, your
1: content? So as a, as a company, we have not faced this, but I'm very aware um, that, uh, you know, once you touch on taboo subjects like religion or um, politics in Jordan, that you will face this. And it doesn't have to always be from the public. It can be either from society itself or from the government or from other agencies. So this is definitely a challenge for content creators that want to really push the envelope in terms of the norm um, I would say when touching upon issues of uh, politics and religion mainly, uh, we actually at Wishbox, we uh, do a lot of also content or we create a lot of content and even advocate for uh, issues relating to women. Uh, despite that, I have to say, I, uh, again, we have not received any pushback uh, about it um, I, th- I think that it's also about the presentation um, and I think people know what we stand for um, you know if they don't uh, like it or they don't agree with it they don't have to follow us they don't have to use our services um, but, but luckily uh, we have not uh, faced any pressures That being said, um, again, as a company uh, and not as an an advocate or a non-profit or a non-governmental organization that face a lot of pushback, um, we also want to preserve um, our ability to, to work in Jordan and um, hopefully expand in the future as well. So
0: as as a content creator, um, regardless of being based in the Middle East or anywhere else, uh, we, or as an entrepreneur, we all faced uh, the big challenge of the pandemic. And how did that affect your work? Did you have to pivot? um, and I actually talking to people I heard, you'd be surprised that I I heard people actually excelled during the pandemic because it made them think about new ways of uh, work. So I'm curious to see how the pandemic, especially you were based in Jordan and Jordan is a very sociable society. So being in quarantine or in lockdown does not really work well for many people. So, you know, how did that affect your work?
1: So I think, first of all, we need to all sort of recognize that, you know, we, we focus on these, you know, did someone excel in the lockdown? Did someone create, you know, Shakespeare created Henry VIII during, you know, his lockdown in the pandemic? And this kind of pressure on people to produce, no matter what the circumstances are, I think we need to move beyond that. Mm -hmm. and you know admit that it's a very uncertain time that uh, you know working within the limits of what you are able to is okay and that um, being flexible is definitely something that we have learned to work with but it's also been a very sort of uh, devastating time for many companies many businesses Um, and people also on a personal level. And I think we should not uh, diminish that or lessen of these things. Um, At Wishbox, we thought it would benefit actually society to take a hard look at how the coronavirus and the lockdown uh, impacted different sectors in society, especially seeing uh, children not going to school for one year, or um, businesses that you and I know in Jordan, like cafes closed down, um, labor day laborers not finding food to eat, and companies shutting down, um, people not being able to pay their employees. And luckily as a small business, um, or company, I was able to to do work, but there were very uncertain times. Um, And I think we should really recognize that and not force ourselves to always look at what's great about the pandemic, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we did was look at, in English and in Arabic, at how, what are the numbers What is the information? What is the research we can find, the statistics and the figures on the impact of these different sectors? So we looked at health, education, violence against women during the pandemic. And we looked at two other sectors as well in Jordan. Um, And I think people really reacted uh, well with it. And I think it opened the doors for us to work on uh, other projects and it's exactly these kinds of times of adversity of course that also inspire creativity and if it does that's great and if it doesn't we should not hold anyone accountable or think less of them Mm -hmm.
0: yeah yeah i mean that's that's a very good point you know because we're also kind of pressured to be productive and you know what Productivity is, you know, uh, stressful. You know, to be productive all the time. So that, that's that's yeah. the point. So speaking of pivoting, I'm going to pivot a bit and ask you about future trends for for content, uh, specifically digital content. We can start with uh, what's happening in, in in the the Arab world or the Middle East Middle East in general and where they're going but if if you can also speak in um, you know more global uh trends uh where where it's where is the global media trend
1: going so natasha i think uh if you look at, at youth in saudi arabia today is is a very interesting um sort of group of people working with technology so you you have for example saudis uh today young saudis being the number one um, sort of people you you're listening to podcasts, creating podcasts, um, and really uh, the number one social media users as well in the Arab world. So they're really embracing this, and it's it's so great to see. You know, um, that does not diminish the the limits they have politically and socially on uh, uh, on the kind of content, but they are really um, taking advantage of their access and ability to access technology. And it's great to see. I think there's been a real shift. You know that I look at also Bahrain, where 42% of entrepreneurs are women uh, in Bahrain. Uh, providing an enabling environment for them and incentives to invest and become entrepreneurs is really wonderful to see. Again, that does not diminish the, uh, the, the limits in terms of, um, you know, freedoms or human rights. But I'm talking strictly now about our topic, which is technology and digital uh, transformation. Um, so it's really nice to see. I think Egypt is really also uh, and, uh, you know, the, just the sheer numbers of people who live there and uh, using uh, podcasts and technology to uh, participate in, in debates and engage as well is really interesting. And that's what's great about storytelling is that it keeps evolving with both um, the way that we present, the medium that we present it in, and that it's malleable, it's flexible, you know? Um, So for example, Saudi Arabia is really into podcasts. Um, You know, I think in Jordan, we are using a lot um, social media to raise issues, um, to help people, for example, women in debt or other issues. I think the way that we tell stories can change and will change technology will change but at the end of the day what is needed and will always be needed are good content creators quality content this will never become old you need content you need quality content and through my research i found that this is the the future belongs to content creators
0: that's um that's fascinating to hear because uh lately i've i've been noticing a number of um, uh, new arab uh, content creators who are doing um you know a number of of creative stuff on on instagram specifically where um in instagram i would see people um, Uh, putting content about uh, parenting uh, or uh, coaching uh, like uh, money coaching or I saw one about uh, um, like how to live uh, about productivity in Arabic like using the Mm -hmm. principles and this sort of of content before in Arabic I would you know I did not see it you know I would see it on english blogs but not in arabic blogs like someone discussed discussing you know the GD, gtd concepts like getting things yeah. done and all of that and the Araba, arabization and all of this stuff Do you, are you noticing
1: what i'm noticing as well absolutely absolutely natasha I'm, I'm seeing a real shift i would also add that you know as a company uh, that really values the power of social media and Uh, For marketing reasons, I would say that globally, the future also belongs when you want to talk about jobs um, are people who really understand how to use social media, who really understand the need of having a a calendar, of having how to present content, how to write a caption and how to use hashtags. Uh, how to tag, um, how to post videos, uh, understanding and keeping up with the changes in social media. I can't tell you, Natasha, how much value uh, there is in such persons or a person that knows this. And to be honest with you, I've, across the world, um, have worked with people who say they know how to use social media, but sure enough, Um, once you really start digging into it uh, they do not and I'm talking about the new generation people in their 20s and early 30s who say yeah we we know how to use social media but in truth they do not really know how to use it when it comes to uh, the the marketplace the labor force Uh, so I think people who can really take the time to learn how to use social media for businesses are going to be the people in demand and are today the people in demand because there are so many that cannot, uh, that do not have these skills.
0: Yeah, I agree as well. I I face this with my company because Uh, social media, you know, people, if they think about it, they think it's just updating Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And it's way, way more than this. It's the strategy. It's you go back to the basics of creating a a communication strategy. When you look at the bigger picture, when you uh, analyze the audience, when you look at sales funnel, you know, it combines everything from editorial to marketing, to strategic, strategic thinking, to creativity, to design, to it's. It's kind of a whole, uh, like it's it's a toolbox of skills that uh, not easy to find. And you need a certain type of person who's willing to invest their time uh, to learn all these skills and 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 be able to think strategically, design, um, and they have to be also very well organized. Social media needs a lot of organization and advanced planning. So, what are the five tips that you would give to entrepreneurs in general and specifically to female entrepreneurs
1: in the Middle East? Number one: start small. Okay. Grow very slowly. Grow your team very slowly. You're only as good as your team. Invest wisely in terms of your time and projects and companies and uh, clients. Uh, Choose them wisely because if you start small, there's only so much you can actually do in an outstanding way. Um, So choose them wisely and I would say initiate Don't wait for opportunities, initiate, network. Um, And lastly, Natasha, I would say definitely do not underestimate the importance of social media for marketing your business. Mm -hmm. And as you so rightly put it, um, it's a hard find, but do not underestimate. The power of it.
0: Yeah. And in, in terms of learning as an entrepreneur, where do you find yourself learning about being a better entrepreneur? Is there is there a certain book you recommend? Is there a podcast you listen to? Is there you have your own mentor that guides you? Because being an entrepreneur, you always have to learn and improve yourself. How? Where do you get that knowledge from?
1: Sometimes trial and error. Okay. <laughs> um I also listen, like if I know someone has strengths in a certain field, whether it's budgeting or business strategy, or they went through something, I ask for their advice. Um I don't really read books, Natasha, on business business wise, not because like I don't want to or anything, but because I actually Like to read books that I can switch off from work, so like novels or biography. I love, I love. Like for me, books are a way to actually switch off. Mm -hmm. Um, I I like I follow on Twitter. I follow entrepreneurs, um, and also companies like data visualization companies. I try to see what they're doing in terms of storytelling. So I I follow like Vismo and and data visualization uh, websites, um, like even the NYT graphics uh, team. Um, I try to see and I try to also like retweet sometimes about what uh, new way of presenting information because I want people who are following us to actually uh, know about the trends. so uh, so that's how i actually i have still a long way to go and um i i know like you know my weakness is like uh, admin work and um like uh, accounting uh, things like that but i also try to outsource uh, things so i can really focus on uh content um Speaking of that, you know, one of the major things that is needed for an entrepreneur is real good time management.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I completely agree. Any tools you use to, um, you know, I, I love to talk about tools and just dig into the practical. Yeah. How do you have, manage multiple uh, projects? Do you use any project management tools? or?
1: Uh, no, I, I just use like to-do lists. I, do, I have, like, to-do lists every day, mm-hmm. uh, and I prioritize, okay. um, and I delegate. Uh, okay. This is how I work, um, and I have, like, a physical calendar. I still, mm-hmm. like, I tried to do digital calendars. I couldn't, so I have a calendar. Um, if I have deadlines, I do, like, a schedule, like, when to finish this, when to finish that how to juggle two things at once, but still be able to finish on time. That's like time management. Um, But I'm not really using like a program for time management.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you? uh, I do, actually. I uh, recently started using, I mean, I dabbled with with a number of uh, program management programs like Asana and... Uh, others but um the one that i've been experimenting with and i am really enjoying and getting good results is called notion it's a free program where i i put all my projects i you can integrate it with google drive with everything you can even manage your personal life and it's it's been really really helpful to use it's it's it's, it's it has a long learning curve. You have, you know, I watched tutorial on YouTube to understand it, but it's it's been helping me a lot. Yeah,
1: Google Drive is also so great.
0: Yeah, and it's especially yeah. when you juggle, you know, multiple projects. Yeah. Um, so one thing be, before we, we conclude is lately I've been reading a lot about uh, the knowledge economy which is people are selling their skills in terms of online courses or cohorts. Mm-hmm. i also been seeing it popping up in the Arab world. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing influencers and uh, content, content creators starting their online courses or online communities, and people are actually paying to learn from others' expertise. Where do you see the future is headed when it comes to the knowledge economy?
1: Uh, I think, you know, I have a friend, he basically learned really well the English language through YouTube videos. Um, Honestly, if today we're, you know, as much as we criticize the internet, you also have a treasure between your hands uh, to learn about anything. So I think with the coronavirus as well and the use of computers and the time we had as well. Um, People also discovered like online courses. Um, Also today, it's much more accepted to have like a master's degree that you did online, but 10 years ago, this was not the case. Uh, So I think that things have uh, really changed. I just wonder about the economy of, of online courses in terms of uh, the competition, um, the audience, how much people are willing to pay for uh, courses. I do not know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not have enough information on that, uh, but I, it's definitely a business. I mean, we, we, we've seen how uh, schools went online and started using programs like Moodle and others um to to actually uh you know have the whole year on on these programs so there's it's still evolving but it's definitely a a, a, like a knowledge economy as well
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and in the arab world do you think there's enough buying power for people to actually pay for these online courses
1: i think in the gulf yes okay I think i I cannot you know I can again like the Middle East is not one um it's it's diverse uh, so I think I think for example where there's more money uh there's more purchase power um I think places like uh Jordan there's less uh willingness to pay for courses I think people but also you know in terms of Jordan uh because there's so much it's a rentier state a lot of like aid agencies and foundations have uh, uh, basically paid for and the US aid paid for training courses and online courses and uh, trainings in Jordan that people have gotten used to that these are free I mean then how so are you- they pay organizations to conduct uh, trainings and the participants are You know, they come and it's free. Accommodation is free. Meals are free. uh, The training is free. So uh, it's become like a dependency kind of uh, cultures. But I think the case is different in in places like in the Gulf.
0: Yeah, because it's also a change of mindset, which is, are you willing to invest in yourself? Are you actually pay money to advance your skills? Yeah and not everyone is willing to do that yeah.
1: especially yeah. when
0: you live in a country where you know you you want to just survive day to day yeah and the idea of investing in knowledge is is something that still need people need sometimes yeah to, to realize that absolutely so before you go we go can you tell us a bit about
1: what you're working on these days So these days, yeah, I mean, we have a really nice project uh, going on, um, supported by the Conrad Adenauer Foundation that we started in January and continues until today. And we're supporting uh, female artists in Jordan. Uh, It started off as female cartoonists, but we expanded it to female artists. So we provided them first with workshops on leadership and marketing and networking with the business community. Uh, And then we had uh, an art exhibition for them. And um, hopefully in October we're launching uh, um, with uh, a virtual art exhibition uh, for these women, but also uh, we're collaborating with other art sort of curators to feature Jordanian artists in a room that will be dedicated to Jordan. Um, And it's a virtual art exhibition. It started in Lebanon and they're expanding it to other countries in the region. So we're going to be uh, in charge of the room uh, for Jordan uh, tackling issues like uh, environment, social challenges, economic challenges, uh, and cultural challenges as well and opportunities. So we're looking forward to uh, launching this virtual exhibition that we're working on and uh, uh, looking forward to expanding this this uh, project more long-term as well. Fascinating. I, I like to
0: end my interviews with, with quick, uh, fun questions. So I'm going to ask you the first one. Fill in the blank. I cannot live without water okay three things you would take on a a deserted island
1: uh shakespeare sonnets um food (laughs) and like a knife or something like that so you know if uh for for both protection and to be able to basically find food craziest
0: thing you've ever done and you never regret it laziest craziest
1: craziest um well i went uh, paragliding um it was a bit busy because i did it because there was nothing else to do and um, i have like fear of heights and at the same time it was like the most amazing sort of experience because it's actually so 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 peaceful and relaxing in the in the air Um, So it was really great. If you had
0: all the resources in the world, uh, and where would you retire? Hawaii. Hawaii. Great answer. (laughs) All right. So thank you so much, Rana. I know you're very busy uh, as all entrepreneurs are. Really appreciate your time. Uh, It was a wonderful conversation. We learned a lot and um, we look forward to connecting. Uh, For anyone who's listening, uh, you can reach uh, Rana on uh, ranasways.com. She has her website. She's also available on social media. She's active on Instagram and her company is called Wishbox Media. So uh, thank you again and uh, wish you the best of luck uh, with everything you do. And thank
1: you very much for your time. Same to you, Natasha. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Of course.